Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Christian Noel Peterson. Christian is a Toronto singer and songwriter who may just have the world record for the most original Christmas songs, having written, self-produced, and released 15 consecutive albums. These Christmas albums are a running document of major milestones in his life and the world surrounding him. Christmas music that doesn't sound like Christmas music. His brand new and latest album is called A Christmas Around Town, and it features the single Waiting for Christmas. Christian's music is also featured in the recently released festive film, A Home for the Holidays, starring American Pie's Shannon Elizabeth and X-Men 2's Daniel Cudmore. Welcome, Christian, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Uh, I am currently calling in from my basement recording studio, home office, kind of, you know, in, in the world that we're in. Everything is kind of one room and I'm doing I'm doing very well, um, as we, we talked about leading up to this. I, I lost my voice for a little bit, and, and today is the day that it has returned, so I'm really glad we could fit this in. Excellent. Well, me too. It's good to have your voice back. Now, what part of town do you live in? Um, I'm not sure if it's technically in town. I'm in Scarborough. I'm now a Scarborough legend. <laughs> nice. uh, we moved out here last year. Excellent. Well, I am here to verify it is absolutely part of Toronto, and uh, <laughs> that's great. Now, as noted, you have just released your newest album, A Christmas Around Town. So first, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Did you have a release party? Have there been any events surrounding the uh, album release? Oh gosh, no. This is—I I think the world of, of Christmas music, especially indie Christmas music, it's a very insular world where my contemporaries are in England and Boston, and there's all these weird, just singular hermit people that make Christmas music around the world. But there's not really a scene, uh, so to speak. So aside from, you know, seeing friends hanging out, like, you know, friends and family have reached out. But aside from that, it's just been, you know, seeing the internet, which is such a weird world that I'm in. <laughs> well, it's definitely a global uh, industry, Christmas music. I have to ask, is releasing your 15th album just as exciting as releasing your first album? I think it's more exciting. Um, this This kind of started as this funny way to keep entertained. Um, I used to work very part-time at U of T doing audiovisual for classes. And uh, as one would expect with a casual job that revolves around education in December, they were just like, see you later. We don't need you at all. We'll see you in January. Keep busy. And with that, it kind of started as as this joke where my name sounds very religious, sounds very Christmassy. It's, it's you know, Christian Noel. Um, so it, because of that, it was put together in a week. It didn't sound very good. And I think as time has gone on, it, it's kind of gone from a joke to something that I don't take seriously, but I've kind of have to take seriously now. And, and, and I think now when we finish these things and, and, you know, I'm getting tracks in from different musicians and different people helping out, it just feels good to see it all come together. Yeah. 
Well, you describe yourself as a once-a-year musician, a conduit for shameless Christmas music promotion. You've alluded to this a little bit. How'd you end up and why did you end up making Christmas music as kind of your raison d'etre? I think it, there was just kind of one time a year that I had literally nothing to do and had to dwell on that. And I think that's the downtime at work was a huge contributing factor. Um, but also, I, I've always been a musician. I'm someone who has been writing music since high school. But it's really like putting out music is hard. Um, I think from a emotional capacity, uh, no one really wants to put themselves out there. And I, I always kind of look at this as the way that rappers make mixtapes before their real album comes out, where to me, this is my mixtape. Um, I can chip away at at instrumental music and then just kind of turn it in to holiday music as time goes on. And it, it just lets me delay putting out real music that I, you know, if someone doesn't like, I'll be very hurt by <laughs> It's a, a, de- a defensive shield. I like it. I have to play skeptic when I note, and as you noted, your middle name, Noel, seems a little too conveniently perfect, especially if you pronounce it Noel. Is this, in fact, your real middle name or just some shrewd marketing? Uh, it is Noel. If it was marketing, it would be a huge failure because I think my net gains from this project is like under $1,000 in 15 years. <laughs> um, so... My grandpa was born on Christmas. And with that, it's like the only situation where someone is named Holly or Noel is if they're born on Christmas. So my grandpa was born on Christmas. My uncle got named Noel. I got named after them. And uh, I've thought about putting the umlauts on the E just to to kind of push like, this is the name. But uh, yeah, no, that, it, it's, it is a real thing. <laughs> Excellent. Well, good. I like that you verified it. Now, Christian, you are not a native Torontonian. Where were you born and raised? I was born in North Bay, Ontario, which is not Thunder Bay, uh, as a lot of people ask and, and assume, because you, you you say north and they assume it's far, but North Bay is only about four hours north of here, uh, or, you know, between three and five, depending on how recklessly you drive up the 400. It was a good place to grow up. Uh, it's, I think, roughly 60,000 people. Um, it's very much a college-university town, so it probably skews between, you know, 50 and 70, depending on the scholastic season. But I think it was it was the kind of place where there's nothing to do, and because of that, you find things to do, and, and that either takes you off of a, a very inappropriate deep end, or you have a lot of, like, wholesome fun. And I can fortunately say I did the latter. That's good. Now, for Torontonians, North Bay is far away. But for those living in North Bay, Toronto is not far away. What does that mean exactly? I Well, I think, it, yeah, in Toronto, anything north of Brampton is far away. And, and especially when you're in Toronto and, you know, rush hour is especially bad. I remember my wife uh, had this home movie where you could just kind of hear her uncle in the background go like, oh, we just moved to Cookstown. And this was like in 1995. And someone's like, where's that? What is this place? Uh, and North Bay is like seven Cookstowns away. Uh, for us, it's literally like a four hour. You could leave in the morning and then go do something at lunch in Toronto, see a concert and be back before you have to go to bed, um, depending on your bedtime. But I think in Toronto, it, it feels like a real trek to go up there. <laughs> Now, you did make the move to Toronto literally on your 19th birthday. Why did you leave North Bay for Toronto? Uh, because I lived in North Bay. Uh, no, I, I I went to school for uh, recording audio 
recording studio things at a place called the Harris Institute. And because it was very much kind of like industry trade college, um, they had one year. It was a 12-month program that started uh, three times throughout the year. And one of them happened to be, I think, the day after my birthday. So I literally moved up and then went to school. and had like the loneliest birthday ever. That is a tough transition. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's nothing more um, kind of bittersweet than being in what is effectively, you know, a place that you know is the big city, being 19 and just like being alone and going, well, what do I do? I guess I'll watch a DVD. Like, this is a, it was a weird, weird time. Well, it was definitely an adventure. And I, I want to give a shout out to another Harris Institute alumnus, the great Mediterranean guitarist, Pavlo Simtikidis, who performs as Pavlo. So definitely Harris has a good reputation. Now, Christian, were you a trained musician or was this some of the training you got at school? Definitely not trained. And, and Harris is definitely more um, more back end than it is kind of performance. Uh, so it, it's all kind of recording production. And there's another wing that does industry management promotion. Um, so not much training there in, in like a playing capacity on my own, uh, very much self-taught my Dad always played guitar and bass. He's someone that was pretty resourceful, but also um, kind of borderline self-taught. So we've, you know, the the, the great uh, lineage of you hear a song, you learn to play it, and then eventually you can just piece all of those pieces of songs together into new songs. <laughs> it's like you, you kind of learn your own Lego blocks in a way. And can you now read and write music, or is this still the way you, you put together music? It's still very much the way I put together music, and it's such a weird contrast where uh, through this project, I a, a lot of friends uh, that help out are much better at music than me, uh, both objectively and otherwise. And uh, it's very funny where it's like, oh, what key is this in? Oh, I don't know. Let let me play these notes. This is what I did. And I, I'm just kind of like landing on things uh, serendipitously, but I think it's just turning out okay. <laughs> and uh, what instruments do you play? Uh, I play pretty much anything with keys or strings. Uh, so piano, electric piano, synthesizers are kind of my main thing, but also guitar, bass is kind of what I initially did. So th those are kind of the wheelhouses. And outside of that, I call in a lot of help from uh, a couple friends of mine who play drums because I'm awful at them. Well, when you started your ongoing holiday music opus way back in 2009, and this was a home-recorded collection of lo-fi original Christmas songs, how did you find musicians to accompany you? You were new to the city. How did you find people to collaborate with? That one, when I started it, I, I'd lived in Toronto for a few years. I was already working with with a variety of people. But in for, for the first three or four, I only really got help with maybe two or three things. It was really mostly just a Rhodes electric piano and guitar and a snare drum that I had in my bedroom. Um, a friend of mine came in to help with harmonies. But aside from that, it wasn't until maybe the sixth album that it started to get into this world of string arrangements and horns and real drums. And that was where it, it kind of had a bit of a turning point to be a bit more of a production. Uh, but fortunately by that point, I, I knew a great deal of people. So they, they were willing to help out. I think with this project, it's been this funny situation where people kind of meet me and go, Oh wait, you're the Christmas guy. Like what? can you tell me why you do this? And yeah, sure, I'll help out. Like if, if people are adventurous and don't mind what is effectively a silly joke project, they're pretty willing to help out, fortunately. That's good. Now, you must have seen huge changes in terms of the recording process when you compare recording this 15th album to recording your first album. 
Yeah. Honestly, I think the workflow has been very much the same because when I started recording, computer-based recording platforms were already very much the norm. So that's what I learned on at Harris, and that's what I was always using. So if anything, it's uh, you can always kind of tell if you if for some reason you're adventurous enough to go through my 15 year back catalog you can probably tell really quickly what pieces of gear I was really excited about because they're effectively time capsules for my music room where you know one year I used a toy piano on like four songs because I just got it and it was really fun but uh yeah I, I think the things going into it have changed but fortunately the back end has stayed pretty much the same now today we have very accessible very user-friendly digital technology I'm going to assume it's relatively much easier to record, collaborate, and release your music to the public. Yeah, well, I think also COVID helped a lot. I think there's a lot of funny glass half-fulls that went along with COVID that we don't like to think about as much now. I know that I have a bunch of recording friends. Like, for a long time, some musicians are very resourceful and record themselves, and some are decidedly Luddites, where they're just like, no, I don't do that. I just write music. Man. Uh, But... Fortunately, I think with, you know, essentially two years of not really being able to do a whole lot of stuff, even those friends slowly but surely kind of found their own equipment and learned how to do things themselves. So the last couple of years have been really nice, where historically I was kind of driving around the city or transiting around the city with mic stands and trying to record, you know, my drummer friend in his jam space. And now it's been more of a, I can get the bed of the song down and just email it around and people will send me files, which is hugely helpful because especially it's just you're trying to do a lot in a short amount of time so it's nice just to outsource various things yeah well certainly on a practical level you must be saving a huge amount of time to be able to not have to be running around and to be able to just send things from your basement studio to someone else's basement studio oh for sure like i used to you know i, I have a horn friend named Stephen dyke uh he lives on the west end and i never have lived on the west end i think i lived in you know north end and had to take a variety of buses and streetcars with a mic stand and a mic just to it was probably a four-hour round trip to record an hour worth of horns so it's so nice just to have a little bit more technological freedom in that sense and when you talk about getting your music out there what is Bandcamp and how does it help you get your music out to the public yeah so Bandcamp is a, a platform that it's it's been live for I'm sure about 10 years now and it's always kind of been the alternative to iTunes. And this is, you know, alternative to iTunes when iTunes was primarily a place where you'd buy MP3s. And effectively, it's turned into a kind of a pseudo musician's website hub where you can sell merch, you can sell your albums. They do have kind of a rudimentary streaming platform built in within it. And I think what's really interesting with Bandcamp is there are kind of like Bandcamp heads. Like, I feel like there are people who just explore Bandcamp looking for independent music, uh, and they have a pretty decent category genre tagging system. So you do find a lot of listeners purely through there who will follow musicians and fortunately purchase things when music comes out, which, you know, to be honest, like, I think Lifetime on Spotify, I've made next to nothing. It's, you know, it's pennies or fractions of pennies here or there. So it's always really uh, appreciated when someone decides to, you know, buy something, even if they never burn it onto a CD. It's literally just existing kind of within a server somewhere else. So that is that is your primary way to get your music distributed, yes? Yeah. So uh, I guess on a practical level, music goes up on Bandcamp and uh, there's kind of another workflow to get things within the world of 
streaming and Spotify, and it's like a digital distribution. I, I use DistroKid, but there there are a few. But effectively, it's like there are companies that kind of act as a third party label in a sense, where you can be a member of it, and then they will kind of get things onto various stores. So it's a, it's a combination of those two things. Now, Christian, as noted, some of your songs are featured in the recently released festive film, A Home for the Holidays, starring American Pie's Shannon Elizabeth and X-Men 2's Daniel Cudmore. How'd your music's involvement in that movie come about? Um, that was, I think, all thanks to uh, a newer friend of mine named Alex Hadjar. And he uh, also has a wonderful podcast called Social Animals. I'll shout him out, but um, he's someone who's very active. He noticed that there was a post, there's a group called Toronto Music Community uh, on Instagram, and they do some licensing, some writer camps and things like that. And they had an open, I guess this uh, production company reached out to them to source Christmas music. So he had forwarded that my way and it was looking for something kind of totally ludicrous. It was like spacey, atmospheric, trip hoppy Christmas. And I was like, some stuff is maybe 50% there, but also how many people are doing that. So I'll just send a link to my Christmas music. And it's always a little bit weird kind of hat in hand emailing people and going, uh, yeah, I, I've released 14 original Christmas albums. Here are some mixed songs you might like from the last 14 years. Uh, but within a few days, they got back and said, oh, you know, they want this song. Can you get us the stems for that? And then it was really weird. I was at a cottage and it all felt very um, urgent where they're going, okay, well, they want this one. And also, can you send us stems for this one? And it's like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll get some on Monday. I'll be back then. Oh, okay. And and they also want this one and this one. Okay. I guess, I guess no one else has released Christmas music. So they're just picking my catalog apart when that's, that's great. You must be excited about the potential for the movie to spread your music to a wider audience. I yeah I I would love love that and and even at this point now it's kind of gotten the bug going where I had never really put these two worlds together because I think for me um, as much as a, a lot of my stuff is you know it's not super adventurous there there's a lot of very accessible things at the end of the day I want to make music that my parents kind of like I wanted to scare them a little bit but I want them to still like it I needed to be fifty percent scary to old people. But that other 50%, it's something that I think works pretty well. And I, I never really put these two things together that it's like, oh, Christmas movies are literally made all the time. Maybe I should try for that. So that's I, I'm looking forward to the next few years of trying to kind of build on this. Well, that's great. It could, de- it could definitely be your thing. That could be a great way to get your music out. I, I was joking with my wife uh, a couple days ago where like how ludicrous it would be if if doing this kind of funny thing where, you know, uh, realistically, I think all of my my friends and family are just like, look at this insane thing that Christian does. And it'd be very funny if it's like, oh, yes, well, it's turned into a legitimate side hustle, which is such an odd thing to think about. So, you know, I don't want to sound like a sellout, but also I really would love to just, you know, buy a cottage because of this stupid music I'm making. So, you know, bring it on. I think it would be great to sell out. It's uh, They say when you're following your passion, it'll turn out. So uh, who knows? Hopefully. Now, huge question coming up. Do you do any non-Christmas music? Kind of. <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a heavy kind of. So I think, um, as mentioned, there's always a lot of stuff being worked on. Um, I'm working on an album of very decidedly non-Christmas music that's very 
90s indie rocky um but i've been working on that for like two years i've literally done three christmas albums since i started this other one so it's uh and, and aside from that I, i've you know play with a couple of musicians I, I i i've been tracking for other people's projects but i think on my own i very much live the life of a procrastinator where christmas music needs to be done by december there's a hard deadline you know, 90s alternative rock, it never needs to be done. It's been done since 1998. So because of that, I can kind of continue to tweak it until it never comes out. Uh, so always working on it. But I, I think that's, you know, it's a big reason why I do this. It, it has to get done. It's the only way that I get music done is if there's a deadline. I think that's great to know that about yourself, that uh, you need deadlines. And as you say, Christmas is going to come every year. It's the same day. So that'll help you. And that's why it explains why you've done 15 of them. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview, please check out the more than 175 additional episodes available anytime. We got TVO's Steve Pakin, our Canadian ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray, Olympic gold medalist Donovan Bailey, Mark McCoy and Bruni Surin, the king of Bay Street, Wes Hall, and Glass Tigers, Alan Frew. How they did it, directly from the Toronto legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7, 365, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Christian, when you talk about Christmas music, of course, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is omnipresent and in our ears, it seems like 24-7. Would you say that Mariah Carey is your muse or your mortal enemy? I think neither. Uh, and I realize that's a cop out oh. <laughs> in a lot of ways. I think that song being a classic is absolutely rightfully a thing. Um, it's it's perfect. It's brilliant. I I think only mortal enemy insofar as the fact that I think what that song has become is to blame for um, everything that came out after it, sounding like this pseudo kind of alternate universe mid sixties uh, Phil Spector style production. Like I I don't love. I have a big beef with Christmas music, just insofar as that I think like a lot of what comes out treats Christmas music like the genre is Christmas music. And I'm a really firm believer that the best Christmas songs are songs that are about Christmas. They're not songs that are Christmas, I guess. Like Joni Mitchell River is a fantastic Christmas song. It doesn't sound like a Christmas song. Um but I, I think there's there's a lot there's kind of like a lot of Christmas music written by people who hate Christmas music, and with that they don't try and make it better. They're just trying to go like I hate this. I'm gonna do it the same. Like I don't understand. Uh, I think Mariah Carey like that album comes from a place of loving Christmas music, and it was done respectfully, which I love. I'm so into it. Well, listen, she didn't get where she is with uh, everyone not liking that. So oh, we got another sure. vote for Mariah's dominance at Christmas time. Now, Christian, let's give a shout out to your wife, Melanie. Is she involved with your music? Music, no. Everything else, definitely. Very fortunate when I met Mel because she was also kind of fanatical about Christmas music. And, and most people that I've dated historically, when they knew of this thing, it, it just kind of turned into this nuisance that they knew I'd be kind of a ball of stress for a month. Mel is very supportive. She cares a lot about it. And and with that, she's kind of the person who has become the the biggest uh, source of PR and and kind of you know she works in marketing already. Um, and with that, 
I'm someone who likes to make music and then just goes, okay, now I'm done. Let's play video games. And she's very much the person that goes, no, 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 let's, let's try and build this thing up a little bit. <laughs> well, you need a good support system and yeah, having a supportive partner certainly is necessary to make it all work. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Christian, do you want to give shout outs to any of the fellow musicians you work with? Absolutely. I, I've reached a point, especially over the last three or four years, where I think the scope of the project that I'm doing is uh, it's far bigger than, than anyone could do on their own. And I think the, the products that have come out are infinitely better because of everyone helping out. In particular, uh, I, I, for years, I've been getting help from my friend Mike Duffield. He plays in a band called Beams. They are fantastic. Uh, Sean William Clark has uh, has always been a supporter. He's helped out a lot with with harmonies and and acoustic guitar here and there. Uh, he is a singer songwriter. He has an Indiegogo campaign for his new album Soft Scissors. Well worth listening to. Um, I, I've heard the early version; it's spectacular. I play keyboards on it. Uh, my friend Mike McDonnell has a project called Good Luck Shop. He always plays bass. Uh, Soren Delamonte also plays bass. He is fantastic. Stephen Dite uh, has always played horns uh he's in a band called bywater call they are also amazing for the last two years and this is totally a, a side tangent um i've had a fictional character called Saul mccartney take part and it's kind of become part of this like marvel cinematic universe and that role has been played by someone named harlan guthrie and this is a, a such a good example of the way that silly idiotic projects bring people together because i had never met him i still haven't met him um, he lives in a different city, but he's someone who is a voice actor and has a very successful podcast called Malevolent. Um, he's brilliant, and he voices this uh, stodgy British person who may or may not be based on Paul McCartney. And most importantly, um, Rob and Andrew Curry. Uh, they are the Curry brothers uh, from Gravenhurst, Ontario. They also have a fantastic store called Curry's Antiques. They have a recording studio within there, and uh, because of the lockdowns in 2020, I, I couldn't really justify uh, risking anyone to record drums. And I had made this connection with them uh, through recording Sean Clark's album uh, a couple years before. So I'd reached out to ask if I could commission them to do drums. And very quickly, they both jumped on. Rob is a fantastic country guitar player. Andrew's wonderful drums and so many other things. So it's uh, it's been a really great thing where I've played on their music They've played on mine, and uh, we've we've kind of gained a bit of a, a funny seasonal band out of it, which has been so nice. Well, it's excellent. It's great to have a team. It's great to have collaboration. It must make all these projects a lot more satisfying when you do them together. Christian, can we find you performing live anywhere? Um, not this year. Honestly, uh, myself, family, and friends, we're all being still quite cautious. I work within a hospital. We have, you know, a lot of friends who are immunocompromised in various capacities. So really, it's just online at this point, but there will always be shows again, likely next year, I hope, because it's something that I really miss doing. But for now, this year, just, you know, find me on Bandcamp, find me on Spotify or Apple Music. And and I think most importantly, you know, play it for people. That's super helpful. <laughs> Share it. Excellent. That's a good call to action. So again, Christian's brand new album is called A Christmas Around Town. Where should people go, not only to get it, but to follow you? Okay, uh, so you can find me on essentially anywhere where you stream music. I think most importantly, look at my name in the show notes. It's Christian with a K, no H. And Peterson is spelled very differently than you expect. So look at that. I'm the only one of me. Google it. Um, but 
yeah, I'm I'm on the streaming platforms, but also on ban- on Bandcamp. Uh, the URL is a Christian kind of Christmas dot Bandcamp dot com. Seemed like a funny pun at the time, but now people think I'm a fundamentalist Christian. <laughs> That's not really what I'm after. But yeah, you can find me there. Uh, there are 16 Christmas albums, 15 original ones, and one full cover album of Hanson Snowden. So if that's a thing that turns your crank, get on it. Excellent. That's fantastic. Christian, it has been very nice to meet you. I am glad you could explain how you started this and why you're still doing it today. And of course, I want to wish you a continued success. Thank you. Thank you for being the reason why I can now be mentioned in the same phrase as Pinball Clemens. It is truly, uh, you know, the 90s sports desk watching fan in me. I'm so excited about that. (laughs) Well, just another example of a great Toronto legend we've had on. Thank you, and I hope you have a great holiday season. Thank you, you as well. And to the listeners, on behalf of Christian Noel Peterson, I am Andrew Applebaum saying happy holidays, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.